Hello, you lovely, lovely people. Welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to bring you an interview with a very good friend of mine, Simon Alcantara. Simon is, as we discussed, someone who wears many different hats. He's a, he's a yoga teacher. Uh, he trains jujitsu. He's he's a working musician. Actually, teaches music. He's just run off to go on a teacher music class uh, right now. He also works within a pain management um, clinic here in Southern California. He's got you know a wealth of incredible life experience. Um, I think it's a conversation we you, you're really going to enjoy. And I think as happens with a lot of really good guests, I go in with a certain kind of topic that we'll go into to discuss. And one of the big things I wanted to talk about with Simon was yoga and specifically, you know, yoga for the jiu-jitsu athletes. And we do talk about that, but we also talk a lot more than I, you know, than I even considered we would about meditation, just learning to relax the body, learning to relax the mind, you know, how to control in the chatter within our heads that we have on a day-to-day basis, all of these things that I think are, you know, really important for, from, you know, a physical optimization perspective, mental health, you, how you can bring it in to complement um, you know, your overall jiu-jitsu practice, etc., etc. We talk about and touch upon Simon's um, idea of, you know, eight pillars of, you know, optimal mental and physical health, you know, he, Simon's from Venezuela, what it was like living in, um, I think he was in Illinois, he said, um, some really interesting stories about what it was like when he came to, came to live in America, um, you know, how we got into, you know, physical optimization, how we got into yoga, you know, we touch a little bit of, a little bit on nutrition, um, so some really good information in there, he shares his, you know, top exercises that jiu-jitsu are, top yoga exercises or yoga pauses that uh, jiu-jitsu athletes should be should be looking to do all in all i think i think a fantastic conversation guys so i hope you i hope you really enjoy it and i i hope we can get simon on again i'm sure we will and we can dive into a lot more of these topics in a bit more depth but with that guys let's get on with the show you're listening to the bjj strength podcast Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and physical optimization specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Guys, welcome to the latest episode of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today I've got with me a good friend. Simon is Alcantara. I can never pronounce your last name. Alcantara. Alcantara. Al- Al- Alcantara. I spell it with about like fifteen A's. All, all my, all my services, bills, uh, bank cards, they always come Alcantara. A L A. Then I have to return them, get them done again. Just don't pay them if it's sent to the wrong person. I would love to. Yeah, it's the same address. <laughs> They'll get me. <laughs> Yeah, that one letter difference. Oh yeah, and and some they put two M's on Simon. Sat two M's on two Simon. M's, yeah, like and, si- and, like and they call me Simone when Sim- they talk on the phone. Hi, Mister Simone Alacantara. Okay, let's go. It is would Simone be a common man's name in like in Spanish speaking countries? Yes. Okay, um, because I I believe in English and uh. 
maybe France, very popular um, female's name, Simone. Yep. S-I-M-O-N-E yep. at the end. Here in, in Spanish, it will be S-I-M-O with the accent on the O and the N. Simon. 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 Yeah. But we just call you Simon. Simon, because Simon says, you know. Simon. Cool. <laughs> well, in, in Venezuela, everybody called me Simon. Okay. Yeah, and it was Simon says, Simon your, says. Your parents grew up calling you Simon? You Not got- so much my parents, but all my friends. What do they, what do your parents call you? neighbor, Simon. Simon, yeah. okay. Well, mostly Simon Antonio, both my names, because I was always in trouble. <laughs> Simon Antonio. <laughs> Simon Antonio. It's like, oh shit, here it goes. You know you're in trouble then. Oh yeah, still, still to the day, my mom, when she visits, she whenever she wants to tell me something, and she wants to make that point across, it's Simon Antonio. It's like, oh shit. Here we go. What did I do now? I'm married, man. Come on. I got two kids already. I'm the head of a family. Don't talk to me like that. It's funny, right? My, my, when my mother came to visit last year, and like you, right? You know, married, two kids, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. And she just sparks off. I don't know what it is. I, I say spark it off like it's a bad thing, but you almost fall back into these habits you had as a teenager. She doesn't spark joy. <laughs> It's not joy what they spark. My mother does spark joy. My mother no. does spark, but she sparks a lot of other things as but well. It's, it's, you have to have felt this already with your kids because you are always going to see them as your kids, as your babies. It doesn't matter how much they grow. And granted, both, you know, like both our kids are, your daughters and my daughters are very, very young. Like you don't, ever imagine seeing them as like this grown woman getting married and having kids every time that you talk to them you have that kind of like that parenting tone on them it's always going to be like that my dad i can talk to him and we can be buddies but whenever comes that time that he needs to tell me something like hey maybe you're doing this a little bit too much you feel that tone always. The parent tone. The parent tone. You're like, okay, here we go. I'm the, I'm the boy, I'm the baby boy again, and it happens all the time. You know? Yeah. My I mom know. is like that. But now, before, I think since I was such a problematic teen, that it was always that angst. Now it's just laughter. Whenever she talks to me like that, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, mom. So you were a problem. You were a problem teen. Oh. I was terrible. Really? The, the worst of the worst. Yeah. Because you've got, you've got a lot of brothers and sisters. I got... Uh, I had two brothers. My oldest half-brother passed. And uh, two. I had still my youngest brother and two sisters. Old One old one and a young one. You were the worst out of the lot? Oh, yeah. I was the worst out of... In every single sense. Okay. Academics, <laughs> behavior, responsibility, everything. It was... It was a treacherous fucking path with me. That's why um, we are grateful for yoga <laughs> in my life. All my family is. So that, can, that, leads, that leads in nicely. And maybe we can flesh out that story a little bit. It'd be interesting. But you're, you're a number of things, right? You're a yoga teacher. Um, you're, you train jujitsu. You're also a music teacher. You're, you're an, you know, an active musician as well. Um, I know for a long time you were in medical school, medical school, right? For a long time, I did, yeah, med school. Um, 
So you've got, uh, so how, and it was interesting that you, I can't remember who told me this, either you or Sal, Sal obviously a good friend of ours, that you were like a real, like, not not an angry person, but quite an appetite, stressed person. And yeah. when, by the time I met you, which is about, you know, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, around that time, you seem to be like the most chilled person. Mellow down, totally. That, I, that I've ever met. Yeah. When I met Sal... It was around 2012, I believe. Yeah, Terry and I had just moved to California. I was with this band. We went to this process of recording an album, which lasted almost a year. And after that's done, all right, now it's time to gear up and start playing gigs. The gigs were 45 minutes, probably, and I was blowing my voice out every single time so between gigs we have to wait like at least two weeks to have the next gig because i couldn't sing so one day i went to um, hell on earth guitar center all right yeah. <laughs> i secretly I, I, even though even though i'm buying from a corporation i i, I secretly like guitar center yeah so <laughs> walking out of there terry tells me like look there's a music school there why don't you check out for vocal lessons and this is at Riffs, where you teach music now? Yes. Okay. So this is the old location that they had next to the, the old guitar center. And yeah, I walked in, talked to the owner. And when I told him like all my background, what kind of music I did and what kind of music I like and everything, he's like, Sal is your guy. He signed me up for the package. And Tuesday night, I had my first class with this guy, Sal. I'm like, okay. I show up. Sal comes out and it was like bromance at first sight. I see this guy. He had long hair by then. And I was like, oh my God, look at this guy's all Hollywood. Start talking. You know his energy. Sal is just the most peaceful person yeah. in the world. He's so welcoming, so warm. So we walked into the room, started talking. And at the second session, he told me, you need to learn how to relax. Because you are tight, you're pushing everything with your throat, you're super tight, your neck, your shoulders, everything is super tight. So then he looked at me, he's like, do you think that meditation and those stuffs are kind of weird? Are you open for that? And I'm like, dude, whatever can help me, I'm down. And he's like, all right, lay on the floor. <laughs> take your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> Lay on the floor, take a close-up. So I'm like, okay. I lay on the floor. He's sitting there on the chair, and he starts guiding this meditation. Talking about, like, be, feel like you're floating on these puffy clouds and blah, blah, blah. I got lost. Gone. For the whole session, that's what we did. We did a long, long meditation. We talked. Uh, how long? 20, 20, 30 minutes? At least 20 minutes. Yeah, okay. Meditation. And I felt like I walked out of there and I'm like, holy shit. Like a different person, different perspective. Never, ever had meditated in my life. Had tried yoga before. And you would be what, like 32 at this time? I was, yeah. Um, 30, yeah, 32, 34 years old. I had tried yoga before, but only to impress Terry because I was dating her. Because she was a yoga teacher before yes, you, right? Yes, And... Um, She's, she told me, like, I think you should try yoga to see if you can chill a little bit. Even though she mellowed me a lot once we started dating. She's, she's a pretty mellow person. Right? And 
but I needed like that extra kick in the ass to like really mellow down. And just to add more context to this, right? So you're in your early thirties. You'd never meditated before. You tried a little bit of yoga, but you you'd done a lot of because you. Would, had you worked as a personal trainer before then and got into a lot of kind of weightlifting and before no, that point? No, it was um, a little bit of the, I think the situation uh, in Venezuela when everything started changing and um, I started thinking about, okay, this is not very conducive to be in this country. I was, I was just looking for a way out. Okay. I wanted out of the country. And when I moved into my cousin's house, Pedro, the, my cousin that you met. When did you move here? I moved there, I was probably tw- 2004. Mm-hmm. I lived there the year before I moved definitely to the States. And they had a little calisthenics park nearby his house. And one day we're driving through the park and it's packed. It looks like a gym on January the 1st. And Pedro tells me there's never been so many people down there. Let's see what's going on. Doing pull-ups, dips, working out. Yeah, yeah, but it was. We weren't impressed by the fact that they were working out. We were impressed by the fact that there were so many. Mm. And Pedro lives in a very affluent neighborhood over there. There was just like a bunch of rich kids. So we go down there, and we, for some reason, we spaced out on the news that weekend. Well, Chavez had just fired on national TV on his on his TV show, like twelve hundred of the directors of the and employees of the of the oil company of PDVSA. All these young engineers that just had graduated and started working in the oil company, which is like the dream in Venezuela, they all got fired. Like, if I was a directive and you were under me, when some kind of lineage you were under me, mm-hmm. you were fired too. Just out of nowhere. He got rid of everybody. So all these kids are there. It's like, dude, we're used to this life where we're making like $3,000 a month. And by then, that was millions of bolivares. They were living in the nicest apartments. Yeah. You know, you graduate and you're like, this is the life. You know, yeah. this is what, what I always dreamt. In Venezuela, the oil company was everything. So all these kids now are like, now I cancel my gym subscription immediately. I have to take my car back, try to sell it or return the lease, whatever it is, and get used to a new life. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn. And we got a lot into calisthenics doing that because we, I mean, like when we saw that situation, I told Pedro, like, we are lucky that we have the life that we have and that we have the opportunity to leave too with the support of of our parents yeah so we you know we created good connections good friendships and we started working out Pedro wasn't too much into working out I was already a little bit into it so I got him into doing calisthenics and losing weight and mostly like dealing with a little bit of his not image problems maybe like self-esteem he had he had confidence yeah he had a rough upbringing my my uncle was very tough on him Mm -hmm. but on the other side it was the perfect balance because his mom is adorable sweet super loving caring person so we started getting into that and i got into it more and more and more and then with the internet being available i started doing a lot of research a lot of research and it was like okay so 
calisthenics seems to be more beneficial and it's also for me it's more fun than go to the gym and see who can lift heavier okay plus i always had i already had my first knee injury also and i was like yeah i'm, I'm not too much into that so i started calisthenics and that ran into when I moved to the States and I started in the college program, in the soccer program at Illinois Central College. By soccer, you mean football, right? Football. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I apologize for that. I always say, I'm not going to say it, and I always do. Yeah, I... Uh, well, it's mostly in America. You'll get, you'll get mauled if you're, <laughs> if you're in the UK and say, let's go watch the soccer let's match. Let's go watch the soccer. <laughs> I say football, but I, you know... Like, yeah, I like it's football, right? I was you just kick, talking, kick the ball, to, I was just talking to someone about that. Someone's kid, and because their their parent plays football, and I tell him like, "Does your dad did your did your dad watch the football game?" And she was like, "Which football you're talking about?" It's, it was one of my students. Now that I remember, because her dad is from Scotland, she says, "Which football you're talking about?" I'm like, the only football. She's like, this football or this football? So I told her, your dad's from Scotland. It should be this football. She's like, well, he actually likes this football too. He the likes one both. With, where they throw the ball. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. But yeah, when once I got there, um, I started noticing that especially athletes in this country were, I think, were being misled on the... Um, how to really approach exercise outside of whatever they were doing. You know, like, and you are big on this optimization, right? Mm -hmm. How to apply movement to jiu-jitsu. I don't think basketball players are being trained on how to optimize their body for dribbles, for um, counterattacks, uh, for the shot. Even the shot is a, such a uh, physiological move, but everything the arc that you give the ball all the movements what should you be doing mm -hmm. to get those muscles not stronger or bigger but in you know everything in line to make the shots better yeah. same for soccer these guys were doing these ridiculous programs where they were just beating us to death by the time we got to the games we were Is just in, like in college exhausted yeah it was a community college but okay. That's where I noticed, like, all right, there has to be something better. They don't uh, never talk about recovery. Okay. You know, so athletes, and re regardless of the position that you are, if you talk to an, a guy that plays Division One football, that guy is knocking at the doors of the NBA, of the NFL. Mm -hmm. That guy needs recovery, needs supplements, needs good nutrition and needs proper training mm -hmm. don't tell me that that kid is also you're going to force him to do full-time academics and excel at it when his body and his brains are beat mm -hmm. all day long because those practices are just are just killers so i think that's when i really really started like thinking about everything you know like how to put certain plans in motion and i started training with certain people not like i'm a certified trainer let me train you but really asking them like guys that played with me or that played in the in the baseball team or the basketball team like, let me let me help you out and let's work together yeah, and like, see what we can figure yeah, out what 
what what what's like what do you do you're a shortstop all right you need to be the fastest guy in the infield you need to get reach you need to be fast to dive in the holes and all that you need the best arm in the infield because you're going to be on those holes on those gaps for batting then you probably not going to be a power hitter you're probably going to be straight line drive fast guy you're going to be stealing bases so Mm -hmm. you don't want a massive upper body with chicken legs or something like that you know you (laughs) need a slim frame solid you know like what they call um trim Mm -hmm. and you need to think about flexibility rotation everything on the arm the arm is everything for you you know so I work with a couple of guys, but then I encounter the other mentality of the athletics in the States because they knew that my brother and I were from Venezuela. They thought that in the this kind of program that I have created with them, which, which is which just like a friendly program, let's train together and let's see if this works for you. Because I was thinking of switching my, my major to... Um, for PT, they thought that we that steroids were included in the package. <laughs> yeah, like straight up. Like there were guys asking my brother all the time, like, what steroids do you guys bring from Venezuela? And my brother's like, does it look like I'm on steroids? Like, I'm like a buck 40 soaking wet. What are you talking about? They were jet. They were, I, I remember you half telling me that story in the past. So they, yeah, I think. My uh, brother ended up selling them. B12 shots. Okay. And tell him it was Deca. Okay. He's like, there you go. I'm not going to put it on you. You find it. You find a nurse or somebody to shoot it on you, but that's it. This transaction is over and it never happened. The guys were like happy as shit. It was like, oh my God, I'm getting roid. Yeah. My brother's like, I can't believe in Venezuela that never happened. Like never, ever happened. If you, if you could put a number to it, out of all the people that you worked with, what percentage of them would ask you to help you out with that stuff? From those young kids, I remember three guys from the baseball team mm-hmm. and one guy from the basketball team. The guy from the basketball team, though, he was, uh, he, he, he was very honest about it. He was getting injured a lot. And he told me, I heard that steroids are great for recovery and for injury repair. Can you hook me up on some? And I'm like, first of all, I'm not a fucking pharmacy. <laughs> I'm not a drug dealer. And second, at you know the long run, steroids will deteriorate your body more than these injuries are. So that's when the third part of everything that I've been working on for so long came together. Nutrition. Mm-hmm. These kids are practicing two, three hours, just wearing themselves out, and then they go and eat at McDonald's because that's what they can afford or that's what's open at the time. They don't have, you know, the scholarships don't have like meals included as books, and that's it. And they think that they're giving you the world with that, you know, we're paying your tuition. Mm-hmm. You're coming from another country. Basically, you're taking the spot of an American kid that can be doing this. You can't ask for more. The dream is there. Just go and take it. Mm-hmm. It's like if you don't eat properly, if you don't sleep properly, you don't recover properly, you don't live properly. If I show you the house where we used to live, 
and you you be thinking that I'm literally fucking with you. Like, there's no way you live there. I lived under a bridge. The house was literally under a bridge, surrounded by a trailer park where they sold crack 24-7. And our coach gave us that house like, you're welcome, motherfuckers, you know? It's like, I know my, my that's when my brother split from that whole thing of thinking this coach is really helping us yeah and thinking like this is not a good situation and he went to live with with his girlfriend and i stayed in the house with the roommate from barbados one from croatia and one from argentina and when people will give us rides home from school or from a party or something like that and we'll tell them like it's right here They'll be like, no, for real, where do you guys live? There in the it's blue that. the blue house. Everybody knew it as the blue house. You guys live here for real? And I'm like, yeah, our coach got us this house. This isn't sweet. And they're like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. They sell crack here all day long. I'm surprised that you guys haven't been robbed or anything. We're like, well, nothing that we have is like really ours. Mm. Everything was given to us. We had a bunch of friends. Um, I remember this girl took us to this church this church had a warehouse of secondhand stuff and it was like secondhand paradise because it was from a very um, affluent town in in illinois called morton mm -hmm. and we went there and we shopped like nothing because it was all free it was all given yeah we got mattresses furniture record players guitars amplifiers clothes everything We stacked a couple of trucks and took it to the house and all the kids every now and then will come in and we were basically like charity cases, you know, for, for all these people. And we thought we were like hooked up to the max. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I look back and I'm like, I was 28, 29 at the time and I couldn't see it because I just thought I escaped one of the worst situations and it wasn't even that bad when I left Venezuela. It wasn't mm. as bad as it is now, but I was like. I escaped that and I'm so much better now. And everybody was like, no, you live in the middle of a crack distribution web. And I'm like, oh. Well, at, what, well, at what point did you start realizing actually this is... this is a well, Ignorance is bliss, right? When yeah. you don't know, you're like, okay. Yeah. Well, once I, I remember, then we moved to the west side of town where we had lived before. And I hooked up with this guy, this guitar player, um named dan and he asked me where do you guys live before and i told him east peoria as soon as i said east peoria he's like do you get a taste of that crack and i'm like no why it's like dude east peoria's crackhead town all day long and i'm like i didn't know and i i then i told him like everybody was surprised when they were dropping us off um that we lived there And we were just oblivious to it. We didn't, we didn't have a clue. We didn't know. And a lot of times people would ask us like, why, why did you come here? Where are you from again? And we'd tell them like, well, Venezuela, blah, blah. it can't be shittier than this. What are you doing here? It's one of those towns, like everybody, their dream is just high school Maybe I'll do community college. There's a big school there. There's a big university called Bradley University. Maybe I stick there two years and then boom, I'm gone. People that want to stay would like to stay if they can get a job at 
Caterpillar, because there's the headquarters are in there, and Orkamatsu. Very similar companies, mm-hmm. benefits, payment, everything is, is good, total hookup. But other people are just like, I just can't wait to get out of the shithole. And we were just like, we're fucking made it. We're in the States, baby. We're going to make it here. But we didn't know that. It was just like that, you know? Like, you don't talk to people in Temecula and people tell you like, what are you doing here? Get out of here. We just want to get out of here. Everybody loves living here. Yeah. I I have not. Besides the complaint of somebody thinking like, it's growing a little bit too fast right now. Temecula. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And traffic, they don't complain about anything else. I complain, super, I complain about the heat. Super safe. It's too hot for me. It's super safe. It's quiet. I like the quietness of it. Maybe I'm getting old, but I like the quiet. <laughs> My neighborhood is super quiet here where you live. Everything is quiet. We have wine country, so we don't... If we want to do, like, wine tours, we don't have to go to Napa Valley or anything like that. That's going to cost you an, an eye. For you, the music so, scene's pretty good. The music too. scene is pretty good. It keeps me pretty, pretty active, which keeps me pretty relaxed and happy too. So, I can't complain. Like I told Sal, one of the reasons why I started uh, my podcast was we have so much. Tell, pe- stuff tell people here. the name of the podcast. So it's called the Simon Simon's Valley Trip podcast, and it's based on fitness, music, and food. Mm-hmm. And we have so much of fitness here with. So many gyms, you know, like, and I'm not talking about chains, LA Fitness, Gold's Gym, all of that. Like Icon, Charles, yeah. right, right next to the, <clears throat> our academy. Self-made training. I just met with the owner uh, a month ago, and he's telling me he has this huge warehouse. Then half a block af- uh, away from that, there's another gym, and I met those guys too. There's people, uh, all the restaurants, how do you call it here? mom and pop shops all this kind of stuff and people supporting each other all mm-hmm. the time you know so i'm like this is pretty interesting and i really want to try to put this out there because people in san diego sometimes will think like man we want to do a wine tour and you look at those prices even if you can afford it it's like shit but we have to go to napa valley or santa no. barbara yeah come to temecula yeah oh i have a funny story about santa barbara yeah did terry tell you that story <laughs> no. oh my god so we were moving from Denver and I'm hitting up everybody that I knew around here to get gigs. Yeah. Right. Because we were moving back. I didn't have a job lined up and everything. And she was pregnant with our second daughter. So I'm hitting up everybody, lining up all these gigs. And I come across the name of this guy that we had played a gig down in San Diego with. And I know he always said, and I don't want to say this in a negative way, like he said it just to show off. But his band was from L.A. So I hit him up. I'm like, hey, I'm moving back. I tell him the whole story. I need a couple of gigs. And he's like, I'll hook you up. I, I work at this bar. These are the dates that I have. And I'm like, awesome. He gives me the, the gig. And I tell Terry, I start lining up all the gigs, doing the calendar. And I send her the invitation to the gig. You know, on Facebook, I put all the friends there. The whiskey where he works, the bar where he works... It's called the Whiskey Richards. For some reason, I just thought it was the Whiskey in L.A. This, whiskey a go-go. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy worked at the Whiskey Richards, which is in Santa Barbara. And I took all the gigs that they said yes, I took them all. 
I just wanted to make money. To Mecca to Santa Barbara. That's like so, five hours. Yeah, we were in Riverside, staying at uh, her sister's house. And when I send the invitation to my wife or to everybody, she's like, do you know this is, this is in Santa Barbara? And me not knowing anything about the state of California, I'm like... Isn't Santa Barbara like right there next to Santa Monica? <laughs> She's like, no, it is not. Now I'm like, let me check, Terry. I think you're wrong. And I go and check and I'm like, holy shit, it was a four hour drive. Huh? We got rear ended on the way there. And it's a full blown dive bar. So Isa couldn't come in with Terry. So I'm there playing and uh, Terry and Isa are walking around, you know, the strip in Santa Barbara. and then While she's pregnant. Went to the beach. Yeah, I'm pregnant with our second daughter because I didn't have any idea of the geography here. <laughs> so we got... It was a pretty interesting trip, to say the least. At least Santa Barbara is nice for her to be walking around in. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. It's beautiful. It's not like that place that you did used to live in. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish it was closer. So we could yeah. go a little bit more often. I really liked it. I liked the vibe. I liked the whole architecture and the feel of that downtown strip. It has that colonial vibe still. I've got, a, I've got a kind of well, it's 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 not as funny, right? My story about Santa Barbara. I went there first when I first came to California, back in twenty twelve, maybe around about no before twenty twelve, like twenty two thousand nine, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. I visited San, visited Santa Barbara, but also I won a work trip. Oh. about <clears throat> four years ago, the same year that I got married. So we we lived in London. We'd flown all the way from London to California to get married um, up in San Juan Capistrano. Um, so people, beautiful too. Oh, beautiful, Love right? It. So Southern California, right, for people that don't know. Then we had the honeymoon in Hawaii. Then we go back to the UK and they announce the winners to this. I did really well that year and they call it the President's Award and then they fly you around to different parts of the world, all the top kind of achievers and you meet in one place in the world. So we're all, you know, excited, me and my wife, because they fly you front of the plane, everything paid for, mm-hmm. right? a fantastic trip. Oh, maybe we'll go to Australia, maybe we'll go to Thailand, maybe we'll go somewhere, somewhere. Yeah. Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. <laughs> so not only not only is she, she grown up grown up in Southern California, do we come back to California to once a year? Married. We've just been there two months oh ago to get married. God. And don't get me wrong, it was still a fantastic trip and we loved it. We saw family when we were here. But we thought of all the years right? they had to pick. Out of all the places that year, Santa Barbara. Yeah, well. So bring, bringing it back to, um, I know we went off, we were talking about you getting into meditation. I know... You've only got about an hour left, a little bit less than an hour. So I want to dive into how then the meditation you were doing with Sal led into the yoga. And then I want to talk about yoga specifically for BJJ, mm-hmm. how that's changed when you got into BJJ, etc., etc. Well, after that meditation, it was like that, that it was kind of like a little hint that there's something more out there, yeah. right? There's... And with just that little, those 20 minutes, to think that that little can do so much for you, to yeah. calm you down, to open your mind, to open your heart, and to not feel weird about it, and to just be able to let go, and that is going to help you in every aspect of your life, I'm like, all right, this is something to really look into. So I started doing it before the gigs basically 
before every gig. I try to, to relax, you relax. Yeah, because the thing is, when you get into it, and it was it was a hard rock band, so it was pretty aggressive. What I had to do on stage was pretty physical. So once you get lost in the physical, and you know it with jiu-jitsu, like your ego takes over, and then you're just trying to muscle everything out. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was that, and just try to be louder and sound with more grit so i took it a step back and before the gigs i will meditate and then i would go in and it's kind of funny because when i started feeling the most comfortable as the singer i quit the band really (laughs) yeah but then at the same time i had another project that was going very good we were getting a lot of interest from producing companies and stuff that wanted to record us but then that one went to hell and it's when I was about to like lose it musically. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to play anywhere. I didn't want to play with people around here. I was jaded of the scene. And it's when we decided to move to Denver. And it's in Denver when my back problems started hitting because of the job that I had doing uh, medical supplies for a nursing home. My back was stiff. I was in pain all the time. And Terry suggested yoga. Was she doing yoga at that point? She was not, but she told me, I think that will help you a lot. And of course, being a man, I was like, "Mm, BS, I don't believe in that. We already tried it and didn't work, so whatever. So one day, I'm, um, we're in Denver, right? So I was in a lot of pain. And I told Terry, I can't take this. And I'm uh, anti-medication. I don't take painkillers, muscle relaxers, none of that. So I told Terry, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy some weed. And I'm just going to see if that's going to help out. Because the pain right now is, I can't tolerate this. She's like, okay. So I went to a dispensary we had nearby. I come back. I smoke. She goes to bed with, uh, with the baby. They're both in the room asleep and I'm sitting there and suddenly something told me like, why don't you try yoga? Maybe that will help. Were you high? Even more. Oh, I was high as shit. I was okay. grilled, totally gone. And uh, I, I asked the guy in, um, from, from the store. I told him like, I'm in pain. I need to relax my muscles. I need to do something. I can't, I can't take this anymore. And I think somebody at the store said like, yeah, get high and do some yoga. That's why when I was super high, that voice came to me, why don't you do yoga? And I went and got, grabbed the, the DVD that we had for yoga, put it in. And from that day on, I was like a yogi in the closet. Terry would go to sleep. I would wait for her to be knocked out. She and didn't I know. would go get high as shit and do yoga. And then my back problem started to go away. Then we moved back to California and I got really stressed up and tightened up. I, was, I wasn't even working, but I started that all that tension in the back and all the stress was building up. So one of our friends told us that she was doing uh, the certified, the, the training to get certified. She told us, why don't you come to the studio? As soon as I walked into the studio, I felt this weird energy take over. It was like I wanted to hug everybody in that room. It was just the most pleasant energy I've felt in years. And we did a session of yin yoga, the slow deep stretch. And after that, he announced that he was going to start a new teacher trainer course like a month after that. 
And I was in, in straight away. immediately, yeah. And then I did that class. I did an Ashtanga class, which kicked my ass. And then I did a meditation class. So on the meditation class, what I discovered is, and this is not in reference to that particular class, but the ones I took after, is that America is marketing or selling this the wrong way. And I think that's why so many people are so reluctant to go to those classes or to try to meditate. Mm -hmm. Because you have the image of a guru, right? An instructor that's guiding you through the meditation that's basically kind of making that message clear so you get it in your brain that without him, you're not going to be able to attain whatever it is that you can attain during uh, meditation. Uh, so you, you know? must. So to interrupt really, really quickly, you must have heard of um, transcendent, transcendental med meditation. I've heard of it. So I've, I've never done it. So I meditate. You know, we we've talked about this. I think I've talked about it on the podcast. I've meditated pretty consistently, like ninety percent of the time, probably like the last eight years. And one of the things I've heard a lot is TM meditation or tran transcendental meditation is what mm -hmm. we call it, and what you what you were supposed to do is to go to a course um there's a center there's a big center down in encinitas actually you yeah see, you see the building right mm -hmm. it looks like um i don't know if uh, yeah, almost i don't even know a mosque maybe yeah know, in terms of yeah, the way the way, the way that it looks right um and you, but you've got to pay it's about a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars mm -hmm. for a few sessions and the whole point of those sessions are they are they teach you or help you find your mantra and mm -hmm. then would mantra be the right word i think mantra you repeat it in your yeah, head the mantra yeah mm -hmm. yeah and typically it's not um <laughs> what's the film the 80s comedy film where they're like yama yama may yama, i yama, submit yama. lawrence griffith <laughs> may i submit lawrence griffith and all the black belts <laughs> <laughs> well that would be a good mantra um but there's a film in the 80s with dan Aykroyd. And it's a yama 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 yama. All right. <laughs> if you remember, if you, I, I, I don't remember, but me, there's different. Uh, some people, when you say find your mantra, is most of the people that go towards meditation, they're looking for something that helps them better themselves, get over depression, anxiety, a breakup, a loss, something like that. They need something else. So you go there, whether it is a center to get. Uh, classes for it to get instructions or you start on your own and you really start working on what I call and this is kind of like the program that I do at the pain management clinics where I work you look at all the dimensions of your wellness and some books and some websites you're going to find six seven I knocked it down to eight dimension pillars pillars the, of yeah, overall the, physical mental yeah, everything health. so yeah. it's physical Mental, emotional, occupational, social, financial. I always forget one or two. Um, yeah, I'm, blah, blah, blah. I'm blank right now. And this is kind of a structure that you've built up after yeah. collected from different forms yes. of reading. So what you do is it's like your own confession. So the way I, I've been doing it with my with for med patients, For meditation, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So the first session that you do is your confession you can bring your notebook and you start on the i give them a, a printout mm -hmm. and all the pillars or all the dimensions are there so they start on physical right now my body hurts it's 
the injury, whatever it is. Then on the social, I haven't talked to my friends. I don't have any more friends. I have isolated. And on the financial and occupational dimensions, I tell them (laughs) always, your occupation right now is to get better. That's the only job that you have. Because most of those patients are on workers' comp or can't work because of the injury. And on the financial, just contentment. If you have enough to get by right now, you are fucking Elon Musk billionaire. Because a lot of people are living in the streets. Especially, I teach at Hemet. And some of these pain, man- pain management clinics, Hemet and San Jacinto. And the amount of homeless people that I see there and hooked on drugs, it's crazy. So I always tell them that. Those two dimensions or pillars, forget about them. You're fine right now. Focus on the other ones and how to how to work everything. There's just there's just very quickly. There's a stat that if you're even in the lowest income w- w- within this country, you've got more. You've got a higher quality of life than like eighty percent of the rest of the people oh, in the world. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's it's crazy. Just if if I had a, a reference, I'll probably send it to you later about the value of the dollar and the rate of exchange in Venezuela, what it's worth. Like Mm -hmm. my dad makes right now, like monthly, 80 millions of our currency. Who makes 80 millions in a month? Maybe Elon Musk, a guy like that, right? Well, that conversion (laughs) is down to like $150, $200 a month for a professor graduated with the highest degrees. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. So what I tell people is that, right? You do your checkout list. And then based on mind, body, and spirit in your the, the triad that practically governs our, our life, you decide where your strengths are so to see where you can start, right? If you're a mind-focused person, you start writing down a schedule and you start with that. If you're body-focused or like body-strong, body-driven, you start kind of like implementing a workout routine, something like that. If you're spiritual, you look, what connections have I lost? Do I go to church anymore? Should I go back? Support so, so, group, stuff like so that. So what you're saying is people need to build these pillars of their lives. You find the areas that they're more naturally drawn to first mm-hmm. so they can build on those areas and yeah. then use that as a foundation. And to- there you find your mantra because you're going to look into that mind, body, and spirit. What do I need to do to go back, right? And there's all the factors. You have to, a lot of these people are overweight, they're taking medication, they're diabetic, they're sick, they have other conditions. You have to modify your nutrition, your lifestyle, everything. Everything is important. So you start looking for where is the strongest and where is the weakest of everything. So if you are mind strong, you know that you have to sit down and organize everything like mind strong people do. They write it down and they hold themselves accountable for it. My, my big to-do list Boom, on the wall. There you go. And do you start scratching, right? Boom, this is done. This is done. That doesn't carry a weight on your shoulders anymore. It's not in the back of your head. like Because I feel that. Like sometimes I feel that knot in the back start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, what is it? What is it? I'm not hurting my... I didn't hurt myself at practice or training or anything. What is it? And then, boom, I know. I go back to the checklist. Like, oh, I haven't done this in a while. I haven't this... Oh, shit. A late fees or something. Whatever it is. You have to clear all that out. And then you start finding what do you have... What do you need 
to go back to balance. For some people, it's just as simple as eliminate sugar mm-hmm. from, from your diet. Start with coffee and then move on, right? Start substituting. I always tell people substitute instead of restrict. Because okay. restriction is negative. Immediately, you're going to be pissed off. I can't eat sugar. Mm. It's not that you can. It's that you shouldn't. It's not good for you as other stuff is. So start substituting sugar, especially like pastries and Doritos and all that, chips and all that stuff, for fruits and vegetables and healthy snacks. Yeah. Yogurt, probiotics. You know, probiotics right now are huge and all of that. So once you find where you need to work on, you find your mantra. But for pain management clinic, for example, we have a very specific mantra and it's, may I live free of pain? Or may I be relaxed? Because Mm. these people are so tight. Because they live on survival mode inside, you know? It's sympathetic tone going at it all the time. Stress, Mm -hmm. stress, 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 hurt, hurt, hurt. And they're all tightened up. So they need to learn how to let go and relax. For for me, it was unblocking energy that was trapped. It was just emotional stress. So I needed to find a way to unlock that just to put a smile on my face and be relaxed. And yeah. knowing that every time that you're going to do something, whether it's singing, yoga, jiu-jitsu, whatever it is, being a parent, a husband... You just go out there, put yourself out there, and do your best. Give your best, and whatever happens, happens. Mm. But I think we put a lot of those blocks ourselves. We are the our best, you know, our worst enemy. It's a it's a double edged sword that I've talked about a few times on this show, and we talk. And sorry to interrupt. Learn how to quiet that monkey chatter brain that we have, you know, because meditation a lot is you're sitting there, and then your monkey brain, which is your body being the consciousness, not letting the mind be in the consciousness. Your body telling you, what are you doing sitting here wasting your time? Get up and go do something. Go and run. Go and work out. You know you can run. You can work out. You can go and train jiu-jitsu. You can lift. You can do everything after. But your body right there is the consciousness telling you, do it now, bitch. Don't let the mind drag you down while the mind is like can you just shut up and let me do my thing you're a mere vehicle of what i can do so shut up but our bodies have gained consciousness we have we 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 let them so that monkey brain is the body being conscious telling you like don't be a bitch get up get up you're not doing anything just breathing what does breathing give you nothing nothing go and get something you're like um, Shut the fuck up. Yes, yes, exactly. And sometimes you have to do that. I think um, Sam Harris has a, a couple of meditation books. And I think, if I'm not wrong, one of his books is called Just Fucking Meditate. Or one of the chapters in one of his books is called, it's, it's named like that, Just Fucking Meditate. It's like where your mind is just telling the body, shut the fuck up. You're not in control. Once we get that, it's easier for you to find like your mantra. If your mantra is, may I be calm or may I be happy? May I be at peace with what I have? Mm-hmm. Little by little, you start finding out like what's missing. What do I really need to do? And sometimes it's little things just like wake up, have your cup of coffee, med- sit down and contemplate. 
right? And you start thinking like, what can I do? What can I do to get better? But without overwhelming yourself, because that's when we let the body sneak in and start those negative messages. Well, to, to, to two things. The first is, if, if people that do know transcendental meditation, right, I don't. So if there's a better way to describe it, someone let me know. I'd love to know more about it. But my point about transcendental meditation was going to be that I, I it really interests me, but you got to pay an entrance fee. Mm-hmm. And it's like that going back to the guru thing, right? And it's yeah. like, well, why have I got to pay an entrance fee when I can just get a book from Amazon and learn how to meditate, mm-hmm. right? Or speak to someone or whatever. The other thing I was going to talk about is, it, it, it relate, we talk a lot about ego in jujitsu and, you know, talking about his consciousness, same thing, right? That voice inside your head that tells you, get off your lazy fat ass and mm-hmm. go do something. And I struggle with it a lot. And I'm very good, you know, during the week when I've got time set aside from it. But then I wake up on a Saturday morning and I want to be present with my wife and kids. But my mind is still going, what are you doing? Go pick up the guitar. Go do something. Go Mm -hmm. read a book. Go outside or blah, 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 whatever the case may be. But it's also, I see a lot of these motivational videos, motivational posts on Instagram. And it's that that, the, 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 the kind of you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the mindset of, you know, push through, do more, don't listen to the voice inside you, keep going, train, 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 mm-hmm. train, 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 yeah. train. And that, you know, voice inside your head is all, is is a good thing as well because it also makes you do yeah. a lot, do no, a lot of totally. these things. But, it's, but when it's time to turn it off, mm-hmm. you need to be able to go, no, I've done my shit for the day. Yeah. I'm going to let go and I'm going to relax. Because for people like us that like to do a lot of stuff and they're very passionate about all those stuff that we like to do, that can create isolation, especially from our family. Mm-hmm. And that energy, oh, that energy gets heavy very, very quick. And now you feel like an asshole. And even now that you're trying to engage in those situations like, all right, let's go out, let's go out to the park. It's almost like you're halfway there. You're at the park and smiling at your girls. And you're like, eh, I can't be doing fucking pull-ups right now, but I'm here with you because you just want to go, 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 go and do. Yeah. But that's one of your go, go, goes, your family. So it's about how you structure your time. Like we've talked about this, how you say like, after the girls are in school, then I come back and start my day off. Like, what am I going to do today? If you already have your schedule, go and train or go and teach, come back, do a podcast, read, study about this, practice the guitar. And then we're just go and go. That's why at night or when it's time to just do something that it's calm down, that hamster is just fucking running. Still going. Like, dude, you're getting gas. Now (laughs) you got to burn it all. Yeah. And that's why kids are good. Because they will beat the shit out of you. Yeah. They have unwavering amounts of energy. You know, they'll keep going and going. It's time to go to sleep. But why? But why? But why? You have to get to that tone. Because if you start doing the shouting, nothing nothing gets done. You know? Yeah. I, I, I've had to learn. I, I, I shouted at my daughter. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've, I've been there. It's like sometimes it's it's time to sleep and my wife tells me like there's no way they're going to be like oh you're right dad let me go to sleep go downstairs and watch a tv show they're gonna be you know whatever they want whatever their little brain is telling them you need a different strategy i I want that other books i'm like dude i read you three books already it's time to close your eyes but i can't Mm. yeah it's 
trying to it's funny because we put ourselves at their level you know you're talking to a three or a five-year-old mm. and you're 42 years old you're trying to make them understand something that you would tell a 42 year old like it's 10 o'clock you should be in bed i'm going to bed you know yeah <laughs> that's it but you can you can't just leave your kids running crazy through your house at 10 o'clock you have to make sure that you put them down but you have to be at that you can't expect them to go to sleep when you're revving up and you're all like go to sleep go to sleep okay go so to you see so you think that you're you've got to bring your own energy down and then that kind of yeah yeah we've we've tried that the sleep time routine now it's totally different mm. you know we create the ambiance in the room candlelight meditation music we pull out the books or they pick up the books and we start reading okay. now they're in the phase where they know the books by memory and they want to read it to us so ella will grab one book he's will grab another one and they'll be literally reciting the book that's pretty cool it is but at the same time when you read it once that book is over they're asleep they read it now you have to read it to them so if you're not in the right frame of mind you're gonna pull a why do you want me to read it you already read it just close your eyes and go to sleep and then my wife is looking at me with devil eyes like it's not how it works just fucking read it yeah just fucking read it and i'm like okay but yeah i think with kids and not with kids with with people with regular people with adults like if you were to go to meditate in my house and you see that i'm a nervous wreck you'll probably hesitate about it or be like mm, i don't know about this guy mm. you know but to the first point that we made when we were talking about meditation that image of a guru i think it's very negative and I think that's why people neglect giving themselves that opportunity to really sit down, contemplate, and just like talk to yourself. I think that's what it is. Meditation can be used in so many ways. People want you to try to think that you're going to just shut your mind and not have one single thought come and bug you or come and interrupt you. The mind never shuts down. That's why we have dreams. The brain is always activating certain systems for to maintain the balance in our body, the temperature, hormonal function. So we have to understand that there's always going to be something coming up, whether it's good or bad. So when I started doing meditation, I started using it as inventory. To-do lists, things that are bugging me, things that I have to do, like call somebody and apologize whatever it is and once you start clearing off that you're good to go because when you're letting the the conscious like the body it's the body is not as easy to calm as mm -hmm. the mind and people are surprised when when i mm. tell them that the body wants to go and go and go and go the mind wants to rest because the brain is the one that brings the balance mm -hmm. to the body so the body is always going to be talking to you and giving you stress signals, anger, sad. I think depression is more body-like than mind-like. Mm -hmm. It's overwhelming body heaviness, this sadness, like you feel like you have this huge backpack and you're like, 
What the fuck do I do? Well, if you if you, you picture someone in your out. mind that's depressed versus someone that's not really happy, the picture and image of the physical shape they hold their body in mm-hmm. is completely totally. is completely yeah. different. Totally, totally. And I was a naysayer of depression for a long, long time. Okay. And every time my friends were telling me, like the few friends that opened up, I became very scared. Because what they were telling me was basically what I was feeling every single day. And I was like, holy shit, this is scary. I never got to the point of thinking like I've hurting myself, committed suicide or anything. But I said like, this is very scary. And then once I started talking with Terry about postpartum depression, I was still a naysayer. I was like, it's just crazy hormones that's bullshit it's just another thing to call attention you already gave birth to this the most wonderful thing that can happen to you why would you be depressed it makes no sense and the more i started reading and researching and seeing like clinic cases clinical cases and everything i'm like this is for real this is for real and when i i started looking back and i'm like i probably been depressed for the majority of my life and i didn't even know it Really? Yeah. Like always super sad, super gloomy, heavy, pissed off, bad moods, everything. Always feeling like rejected or like I didn't fit. I had to do something. Every time I went here, I felt like I was outside of the circle. It was just a weird sensation. And when I started talking to people now doing yoga and meditation, and they're seeking for help because they are depressed, I was like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel, how I felt when they were telling me, like, it's because it comes out of nowhere first. You don't feel it like, oh, it's starting, it's starting, I I need to kick it out. It just covers you like a blanket and suddenly everything shuts off. Mm -hmm. And you feel like the best thing to do is just stop doing anything that you're doing. And just sit, lay there, or be in your car and just let time fly to see if it goes away or what. And the more you're going through the motions, the harder it gets. Because that's the one time that your body is telling you, shut it off. Just fucking shut it off for once and for all. Then it won't happen anymore. Hmm. And you have to get your body going then and there's when your mind has to be like all right bitch now you gotta work now you gotta get up and do something yeah now you gotta get up and do something but meditation does help once you realize that every that is happening you know and one thing that is very important once you start getting into meditation is whatever is the reason that you're doing it if you're still looking for your mantra whatever is that you're looking for in meditation is to practice gratitude mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Because like you said, right, we live in a country where we have such quality of life, regardless of the tier that you are, your social economical status. And that's not to say that to, to kind of preface, well, not preface, preface is when you before, before you say something, but the comment I made earlier and what you're referring to about to refer to, you know, I've not, not been in the situation, but it's not to belittle the fact that if you're on the breadline, it's going to be fucking hard. Right? Yeah. 
We're not trying to belittle that at all, mm-hmm. right? But just, you know. Yeah, but, you know, every day, it's like you have to wake up and look around and say, like, I'm doing so much better than a lot, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I should be grateful for every single thing. And, you know, we're not grateful for the iPhone or the car or everything, but... The fact that you can turn a tap on and get water. Oh, yes. Just that. That is And that the water's not going to kill you. Yeah, that too. Right now, that's happening back in Venezuela. They're drinking water that... It's probably as dirty as drinking water from the Hudson River. People are getting sick. I mean, people are going to start dying in volumes because there's just no medical supplies to help people. Hospitals are... They ran down everything. So practicing gratitude is very important in, you know, in every single aspect of, of life. And I think it's something that's growing right now because people are realizing, like, mm, we are lucky. Do you think... I that think we live in the best era of humanity right now. Oh, and I, I think it's not to say that it's not shit for a lot of, you know, a lot of people in certain situations around the world. But when you talk about doom and gloom and when we talk, you know, politicians in particular, right, they push the fear button. They want to push the fear button. Yeah. You, you turn on the news, you think the world's going to fucking end. Yeah. But when you look at the stats of people, uh, are li- people are living longer, um, you know, pe- less people die during childbirth, more people are living above poverty than ever before, all mm-hmm. of the medications that we have. I think there's a flip side that doesn't necessarily always mean a higher quality of life, but absolutely, I think when you take it all in context, in context over the entire you know, lifetime of humanity or recorded, you know, recorded yeah. history, undoubtedly, yeah. it's the best time ever yeah. to be alive. And there's a very interesting dichotomy where there's so much technology, but in other aspects, we're going backwards, back to primal, right? Like for what we are into like optimization we don't need fancy equipment fancy not it's just body and body weight mm-hmm. work with the rings with the bars with the bands whatever it is jiu-jitsu doing jiu-jitsu um yoga the, the way that we're eating you know more people are becoming aware of okay it's probably a little bit more expensive to eat like this but it's going to be so much better for your health Mm-hmm. on the long run so a lot of people are reverting to going more plant-based and going more raw and trying to eat less farm meat and drink so many so, so much soda and eat so much fucking junk food and all that so there's, there's so many right there's so many things that from that we could talk about but i know we've got about 20 minutes left and absolutely we need to do another show but i did i did want to talk about the the yoga and specifically yoga for the yogurt uh, uh, yoga for I want to say yoga for BJJ but that's a website why, right I need to ask you this why do you guys put that R after those open vowels yoga yoga <laughs> yoga that's my accent buddy I know the sexy accent I, I know it's I don't yoga. know you, you, you got a pretty sexy accent too you so. you want to do yoga <laughs> yoga you know how to make yoga okay let's go <laughs> frozen yoga <laughs> frozen yoga hot yoga um like i've done a couple of i've done a couple of sessions with you um i know you've done a lot of you know private lessons with jujitsu fighters and you know you've been practicing jujitsu for about a year and a half yeah about a year and a half so um i want to talk specifically around what are the kind of what are the key things when you're teaching someone who does jujitsu you're teaching 
yoga, is it <laughs> someone who yoga, yoga, <laughs> someone who does jujitsu, but also what you you know the kind of common problems areas you feel they need to work on, um, and then also what you've noticed going into jujitsu and how you've had to kind of combat some of the some of the physical demands of jujitsu because it, it puts it, it puts a lot of toll on your body, right? Yeah. There's no doubt about it, right? It's, it is tough for your body. Yeah, that was the first thing. After I started training, the first week, even my hair hurt. So I couldn't do yoga. I was hurting too much. But then I was like, all right, the only way to take all this pain away and all this tightness and all the bruises and the sore is doing yoga. Mm -hmm. There's no other way around it. And it helps you because in jiu-jitsu, if you're not present in the moment, you're going to get submitted as simple as that. Every single mistake, every single inch or every single second that you step outside of the commitment of the grappling situation or a scramble, you're done. So you have to be committed to that. But at the same time, you got to like kind of like compartmentalize where your reaction and reflexes from everything that you've learned take over. Mm -hmm. right because if you think about it you can't stall all the time and be like all right stay there for a second now let me grab your lapel and put it around your neck the guy as soon as he starts feeling that he starts moving now you have to execute the counter to that I, or the I, other move right I, I call i call it um a narrow focus but broad awareness yeah totally but you have to be there without overthinking it Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about yoga. For some people, just like when I talk about the pain management patients, the, and it's a structure of, of life, mind, body, and spirit. When I do yoga, when somebody does yoga with me for the first time, especially the jiu-jitsu guys, I always ask them, where did you feel it most? Was it mind, like a mind fuck? Was it body, like, oh, this is tough? Or was it... Did you feel something else open it? Mm -hmm. Most of the jiu-jitsu, and it's because it's guys, the spiritual part, very, very little gets touched on that. But it's mostly mind or body. Mm -hmm. And if they're strong, they'll be like, it was tough to do, but I was just telling myself, it's almost over. At least nobody's choking you. You're fine. You're doing fine. And then the next question is, how tight were you during the stretches? And they're like, oh, pretty tight. I felt pretty tight. And I'm like, okay, that's what you got to fix. You got to relax. Just like in jiu-jitsu. If you're all spassed out, your, your body's not going to move where you want it to move. And stretching and poses can become a little bit egotistical. And you can let it get there in the middle. Just like jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. If you have like a flashy game, you're like, oh, look at my barambolo or whatever. And you start doing that stuff. When you're executing certain poses and you don't learn how to relax, you're going to hurt yourself. And I've, I've been doing yoga for over seven years now. I just hurt myself last week because I let the ego sneak in for one second. With the pose. I was doing a, a fold. And I had my arms wrapped around my feet and I was almost at my wrist. And I was fine. I could have just taken a couple more breaths and get there. 
but I pushed it in just one. And by pushing, I mean I tightened up my abs and I worked against myself trying to go lower and grab here. So a fold for people don't know is imagine you're, you know, trying to touch your toes, but your head's against yeah. your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I pulled my, my abs and it was terrifying. I was laying there on the floor, fetal position, couldn't stretch my whole body because the muscle was so, so tight. You think it was the psoas? I, I am very, very sure it was. And I had then, then my worry was if it was herniated because mm-hmm. I felt something here and it got a little bit of color, but then I started stretching it that same night, temperature and everything. And now it feels, it feels fine, but they're very similar yoga and jujitsu in that sense. You have to be present. You have to learn how to relax and let like like I said, all your knowledge and your reflexes come and help you out in that sense. When in yoga, the one thing that you have to be more, more so it's awareness of your body position because you can easily fall down and hurt yourself too. Like mm-hmm. on twisting and balancing poses, those are the toughest ones because people very seldom use only one leg. To create balance we're always on two legs mm-hmm. you know we walk we run we stand up two legs all the time so when, when you put them on one leg and one arm they start to freak out naturally mm-hmm. and they start tightening up so the engagement in wrong parts of the body is what kind of like gets you in, in trouble. Uh, how do you teach someone to relax while they're doing yoga is uh, the breath the breath because the breath that we practice in yoga, it's just belly breath. Mm-hmm. And you don't breathe with your rib cage. You don't puff your chest to take mm-hmm. deep breaths. You send all the air to the belly with the inhales and with the exhale, you just try to drive your navel towards the spine, squeezing the air out. The other thing is that you change the concept of deep breaths. It's not puffing the chest and then pushing it out it's little by little let it in through the nose let that belly pop and as you exhale the same just relax feel like somebody's punching you right in the solar plexus and the air is so the the out leaving the body do you tell them to focus more on the in breath or the out breath the out breath because on the exhale is when you actually execute the pose on the the inhale is always the way i see it is always for posture whatever you're doing. If you're doing a fold, whether you're standing or sitting, on the inhale, you want to create that straight cool, cool frame. Stabi- cool yeah. stability. Yes. And then as you exhale and that navel style starts to drive, you create the space with the exhale. And mm-hmm. then you can travel farther. Like, let's say if it's a fold, if it's a twist, the same thing. But if you on the exhale are pushing with your abs, your abs are straight. Mm. up against the rib cage now you're working against yourself yeah you know so if on the exhale is when you really have to relax and let go and let the pose happen instead of you looking for the pose Mm. um and where do you focus so obviously they're focusing on the breath but where do you get them to focus their attention within the body so let's say we're doing a any pause, right? A fold. Trying to, someone trying to touch their toes to make it simple for people listening if they don't know what the fold is. Um, where would you get them to focus 
well within their body just like this is something that relates a lot to jiu-jitsu right and we hear it a lot especially tino is one of those guys that every time you ask him a question he instead of thinking about like whatever position it is that you're talking about whatever limb you're trying to isolate the first thing he's going to tell you is let me feel it mm. so you got to feel it right yeah so if you're doing a fold what i want you to feel is when is that tension increasing to a point where you think you can't go anymore when you start feeling that tension stop now look where you're at and focus the attention on where can you go with the relaxation so would you focus so let's For, someone's trying to bend over fold is one of the most important because it can be pretty defeating for a lot of people they don't know how much tension they carry on their body they're trying to reach their toes and suddenly they see that their hands stop at their knees and they can't go lower than that yeah that is an <clears throat> ego killer a deflator right there they're like i shouldn't even be doing this shit no that's a sign that you should be doing it but now you know your starting point mm -hmm. that's like your white belt now let's start getting stripes let's start breathing the more you can relax the more the body can go the attention should be on that instead of like a certain point on the wall or something like that is that kind of like where you're no, trying to ask i was going to ask you so if we're taking touching the toes or the fold as an example it could be in the calves or it could be in the hamstrings but quite often a lot of the tension is going to be in the posterior chain yeah so what the way i've i've got a i've got a very loose yoga practice right very loose yoga practice and when i'm stretching or doing yoga I'll try to focus in on the area of tension within my body. Mm -hmm. So if my hamstrings are feeling very, very tense and very, very tight, I'll breathe into that tension. And rather than I'll be like, oh, that's that's tension, I just go, okay, well, what does that tension actually feel like? Mm. What's the physical? Well, it's warmth. It's a tingling, right? Tension is a label, but what's actually going yeah. on? And and by actually focusing on that and not, not trying to pay attention to it, I find that often then will help release it as I breathe into it. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So like I, I was saying on the folds, right? Because it's one of the most probably discouraging stretches mm -hmm. once you start teaching yoga. If you're doing a sun salutation, that's the first thing you're going to do. Um, you start, you open your arms and then you start doing your fold. It's for some people, if you go to an Ashtanga class that you start, on mountain pose standing up and it's let's go it's 90 minutes of kicking your ass mm -hmm. vinyasa after vinyasa warrior poses twist bends folds everything and it's non-stop until the last 15 minutes we're like all right now it's shavasana and you're just like holy shit is this for real so if you start right there and you know you got 89 minutes and yeah. 30 seconds of this you're gonna be like fuck this, I'm out of here. And you can see people walking out of classes. You can see people after they do two of those, they're like, I'll pay you the whole hour, but I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen it. I did it. The first time that I did yoga with Terry, at the first warrior, I was like, this is bullshit. Locked myself in the room, threw myself on the floor. It's like, I can't believe that shit is so hard. Not only that, she did the whole 90 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, in my life i will do that 
So you have to get to it. 90, like mi- said, 90 minutes is a long time for someone just to take out of their day, let yeah. alone what you're doing. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's totally. a big time commitment. But like I said, right, you start and it's like you start yoga. From now on, I was talking to, to my wife about this. She asked me, I think it was because we, we one of the Gracies was talking about Helio and how he trained until he died. Right, and mm-hmm. it was ninety-six. Carlo, uh, Carlson, Senior, all of them, and now we see guys like Helson Gracie. You look at that guy without a gi, and he's just a frail old man that will whoop your ass and kill you in five seconds, right? And those guys are living the life. So she asked me, "Are you planning on training jujitsu and doing yoga until you die?" And I'm like, yeah, that's the idea. And she thought, that's pretty cool to have that idea. Because a lot of people are always thinking of retiring, mm-hmm. where yoga and jiu-jitsu, they can both be a career until the end of your life. If your body can still do it, you really don't need to be this super cyborg athlete, you know? You can still teach, you can still roll, you can still be very careful. And with all the knowledge and technique that you will have by the time you're 70, you know, it's like, of course you're going to want to do it. But we always put the body first on the physical part. And that's what I see in a lot of people. And when they see that they have limitations, they bounce back. So what I, what I, when I put them two together is you can be a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, but when you're walking into yoga as a white belt, I want you to go back to that first day that you rolled with your instructor and you were a spaz fest, mm. right? What happened after that? You got here to brown belt. Mm-hmm. Embrace it the same. L- recognize that you're going to get your ass kicked a lot every time you come here. We're going to be learning different stuff. We're going to be learning how to engage the core properly on this situation, on this stretch, on different mm. approaches. So it's the same thing. You're going to be learning techniques and bettering them all the time, all the time. Mm. Like, for example, Chad, Chad Lewis, he's been coming to me. He stopped for a little while while he was going through all his move and all his stuff. Now he's back and um, he's practicing on his own also. He's trying to discover, like, what can he do on his own? It's kind of like drilling technique, you know? He got his mat, he works on his own at home, and then he comes uh, to my house twice a week. And the improvement is insane. And even though he still, he still always asks me, like, oh, I feel too tight here, I feel, and I tell him, but that's much better than the first or second time yeah. that you came here. He carries a lot of tension in his face. I think it's because of the grind that he's put his body through the years. Yeah, he, he, he had an injury with his chest as you well. Know? He had to have his chest reset. So, yeah, you, you can yeah. see. But who doesn't, right? Every time that Tom calls somebody, it sounds like... Let, you ca- let, you carry a lot of tension in your face when you roll. I'm going to yeah, oh, point yeah. my finger at you. Oh, yeah. And it's one of the biggest things that I see people doing in jiu-jitsu. That, like, even when they're just drilling something, there's a guy, um, Rich, Rich Hartman, who I teach over at Jean's place. Oh, I know Rich. Yeah, great guy, great guy. Right? Yeah. Great guy. And, uh, and, I, and I go over to him and said, why Did you know what? he's into like heavy, dark metal? <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. But he's like, um, 
like an academic, right? Yeah, I know. He just posted, I think he's going to go and see Mastodon. Really? That's like some heavy, yeah, some heavy stuff. But anyway, but I go, I I see him and I say, why why is your face so tense? And I think a lot of people, if they can learn to relax the face Mm -hmm. and relax. I remember I went to a yoga class um, and the woman said to me, relax your tongue. I was like, what? Oh, shit. And then suddenly everything started melting in my face and the yeah, shoulder. tongue pressing against your yeah, teeth. Yeah, but then you just kind of just rest the tongue and everything started melting on my upper body and that kind of goes through the rest of the body. I know you've only got four minutes left, right? So I'm going to put this question on you and maybe we can answer it. Maybe we can't. Um, it, we'll do another session, I think, definitely. But for the people listening today, if you were going to... I assume everyone does jujitsu who listen listens to this show. But if, in general, if you were to tell people these are the three pauses for yoga that I want you to go and look at and spend some time studying and bringing into your weekly routine, which three exercises do you think would have the biggest benefit for someone that does jujitsu? For me, it would be sun salutations because okay. it's a total attack to the posterior chain. Yeah. From the neck all the way down to your calf you know you do the whole full motion it's kind of like even the feet yeah that's slow-mo burpee of yoga that's what uh, the sun salutation is it includes a back bend on the upward dog Mm -hmm. and that full stretch and right when you're on that downward facing dog i learned this very quickly people think that downward facing dog is a rest and pose (laughs) and you are so mistaken and you will notice once you get into one and learn to move learn to move with the breath to create movement and stretch with the breath okay with the inhale shoot the hips up so you can lengthen the spine and then with the exhale drive the heels to the floor so you can lengthen all the back mm-hmm. of the legs that one definitely try twist to lengthen your uh, side muscles from the torso and lunges. Any particular pose with the twist? Um, I know you, you taught me the triangle, and I found the triangle has been I think, very yeah, beneficial The triangle is, I think it's the most effective one, and then the twisted triangle. Those two, I think, will be the most beneficial ones. And whenever you can, once you start feeling your shoulders really start to loosen up, mm-hmm. start to work from your half bridge, to that full bridge or full wheel. Oh, when like a, ba- a, back, a back bend. Yes, that's a back bend. So now you can get the stretch of the spine on length, on the side. Flexion on extension. Yes, and then you the compression. The, what yoga in like a 90-minute session yoga gives you is release of compression on all the angles. What We're going to be doing folds, twists, and back bends. And, no. the, and the other one you said was lunges for the, the for, lunges. The, for the hip for, for yes. the hip flexors mm-hmm. the psoas because yes. yeah. we jujitsu it's it's hips yeah it's all hips so if you have tight hips you can't move your hips mm. you know like when you try to do those kind of um, how do you call those uh, pendulum swings and kicks people with tight hips have a lot of problem doing those because the hip flexor is just trapping that movement. And they're chronically tight in most people. Oh, yeah, totally. Especially in men. Yeah. You know, so those, I would give those. So if, they just, if someone searched just yoga lunges, they'd 
find a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a crescent lunge crescent would lunge. be the one that they'll find uh, most common. So sun salutations, crescent lunges, twists. The triangle can be the one to start. And once you really start feeling that your shoulders are loosening up, start working on your back bend, but start with the half bridge. Yeah. Because that releases a lot of tension on the lower back too and okay. helps open up the hips. And then you can start working on pushing with your with your arms up. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Um, let's cut it there because you've got to go because you've got to go and teach a music class because you're yes, someone sir. that like... I introduced you at the start, right, as someone you... You're a yoga teacher, you work in a pain management clinic, you're a musician, you're a musical teacher, you practice yoga, and you're married and you've got kids as well. Yeah. You're a man of many guises and a bunch of other stuff that kind of crept up in that conversation. A bunch, bunch of hats. A bunch of, a bunch of hats. Yeah. You do like a good hat as well, don't you? I do. Now when I have, now when I cut my hair, I'm like, I don't, I don't do hats. I do, I do hats with long hair. It's a good haircut. It's a nice haircut. Mm. Uh, any closing thoughts you want to leave people with? Ooh, uh, man, right now, I think we have to center a lot in practicing gratitude, trying to contemplate a lot like we're living, mm-hmm. what we're doing, what we're consuming on a daily basis, not only food-wise, but social media, television, people we're interacting. It's, we, we need a good cleanse in a lot of aspects of life. And start practicing gratitude and, and love. It's all about love, man. Love, love, love. The Beatles said it. All you need is love. Love is all you need. I knew if we should have got you to sing. Next time we can jam. We got oh, the guitar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you come to my house for the next one. Oh, yeah. Star Wars Day. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. May the 4th be uh, with you. Right. 4th and Arepas. <laughs> Simon, 4th and Arepas. You keep putting it off. They better be there this time. <laughs> I know Orlando's probably going to be like, this guy is full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Simon, thank you so much. My man, thank oh, you, my brother. It was brilliant. And guys, we'll speak to you next time.